We saw um, where he turns to God again, and he's praying, and he's seeking God's counsel and wisdom. And, and we're going to see that again here in chapter 23 now. We saw where Doeg, if you remember, um, he went and killed the priests, and uh, uh, he was the only one that would do it. Uh, everybody else was like, we're not, we're not killing the priests of God. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so they did not do this. Um, but Doeg did. And uh, so we're going to jump right in here to 1 Samuel 23, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines, and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. Uh, how much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, and for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hands. We're going to look at God's protection and guidance all throughout chapter 23 um, here today. And we're going to get to some what I find... Um, some really intriguing things about Jonathan in this chapter. Uh, things that we probably already know, but just reminded up here about him that is just, to me, eye-opening for a Christian. Uh, and so we'll look at that um, here today. Lord, thank you for the time that we had this afternoon. Uh, I know that some of this is familiar, um, but Lord, again, I pray that you'd open our hearts and minds to receive something from this. Um, and Lord, help me to present it correctly and clearly as well, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here in uh, verse number one, remember the chapter 22 ended with David saying, I'm going to take care of Abiathar um, who, who escaped out of the uh, slaughter that Doeg was doing there. And David said, man, that's my fault that your family's dead, that all the priests are dead. I, I knew Doeg was going to say something. And, uh, and he said, it's my fault. I'm going to take care of you. You stay with me. Now he comes in here in chapter 23 and they're saying, listen, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they, they're robbing the threshing floor, and this is a people in need. And we're going to find, really, through most of David's life, not all of it, not every day, but in most of David's life, he had compassion on people in need. Um, David was a, a, a person who, when he saw people hurt, he had compassion on them. Um, and the same is true, even when you look at his sin um, with Bathsheba, um, you see through, and we're going to get to it, so I'm jumping ahead, but you see that inner battle, I think, with David about Uriah. 
knowing that he had robbed Uriah, knowing that he had wronged Uriah, and trying to figure out and having that conflict of feeling compassionate for him and the pain that it was going to cause him, and ends up making a completely evil decision and sending Uriah out to battle. But we see in David's life compassion for people who are hurting and people who are in need. But one of the great things about chapter 23 with David that we see is, again, where it says there in verse number 2, he inquired of the Lord. We saw it in chapter 22 as well, but we did not see it in the chapter where he was running, uh, his initial run. And so it says there in verse 2, he inquired. And they came back and they said, we're afraid. And so in verse 4, he inquires again uh, to the Lord. And the Lord both times gave him the same instruction, go. And in verse number four, God reminds them and reminds David and tells David, I will deliver you. Uh, verse number five and verse number six, we see the deliverance. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their castle, or excuse me, cattle and smote them with great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And, uh, and it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah that he came down with an ephod in his hand. So we see the victory that is coming. We're going to see more about that in a moment. We see the victory that, that was delivered. God said, I will deliver you. God did deliver them. And then in verse number 7 and 8, we transition into Saul again, kind of going back and forth now between David and Saul. And, and we see where Saul is, and he's on the warpath. It says in verse 7, uh, And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath the, uh, delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into the town, and that he hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Okay, where I talked about before, we see pictures or similarities between David and Christ. Um, we also see similarities between Saul and Satan. Um, and I'm not saying that's what God was desiring here necessarily. I mean, obviously God God's a lot smarter than me, um, if you didn't know that. And, uh, and so maybe there is. But what we see here is Saul saying, hey, I've got him. <laughs> I've got him right where I want him. God, he says, remember in the previous chapter, Saul said, God is with David. It's why Saul hated David. It's why Saul feared David, because God was with David. And for some reason, Saul decides, hey, God has delivered David into my hand. He's in the city, they got bars and gates, they're not going to be able to get out. Um, this is perfect. Well, wait a second, Saul. If God is with David, why would he deliver him into your hands? It doesn't make any sense. But, but guess what? Satan, <laughs> Satan should know by now he can't beat God. And what does Satan seem to do? Christ died on the cross. He was in the tomb. It's almost like Satan was thinking, and I know I'm giving some of my opinion here, but Satan's thinking, I want Well, Christ rose from the dead. He didn't win. We're studying in Revelation. There's going to come a Christ where, where a point where I don't think Satan thinks that he won necessarily, but he's, he, he's going to get one last swing in as best as he can. And it always that it seems to be always that little bit of hope in Satan that he can overcome God. But he can't. Saul had this in his head that even though God was with David, there's a little bit of hope that maybe I can overcome David. If I can just kill David, then all my problems will be solved. And so he thought, man, I've, I've got this now. We're going to go down and we're going to get David. 
Look at David's awareness in verse number nine. To me, this is very different than what we see from him uh, initially on the run. David was aware when he was running. That's why he was looking for food, looking for uh, a weapon, whatever it may be. Um, but um, we see his awareness here in verse number nine. David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. So David is, is aware that no matter where he's going, no matter where he's at, um, Saul's coming. Saul's coming. And we're going to see that through really the rest of Saul's life, um, where Saul is constantly coming after David. And even when Saul says, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore, David's aware that that's not the case. Um, verse number 10, though, we see wisdom here from David. It says, Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, that servant has certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah and destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. All right, so David was aware that he has a problem. What did David do with it? He went to God. And he asked God some very just basic point-blank questions. And God answered him and warned him. Um, what I find interesting is, is we see this a lot in Scripture, but um, he says there, he asked the question in verse 11, Will the men deliver me up? It was him, the men of Kiath. Will they deliver me up? Uh, will Saul come down? And... Uh, um, well, those are the two questions he asked. God says at the end of verse 11, he will come down. So then David asks again the same question that he asked in verse 11. Will they deliver me up? And God said, yes, they will. So he knows he can't stay with those people because if Saul was going to come and, and the people of Keilah were going to protect him, he might not have to leave. Um, but uh, if Saul's coming and the people are going to give him up, well, obviously um, it's time to go. And, uh, and I just love how we're seeing David, and, and we see this in the majority of David's life, but we see David turning to God in verse number 2, inquiring of the Lord in verse number 4, inquiring again. Now in verse number 11 and 12, praying and asking God, am I safe? Do I need to leave? Um, those sorts of things that are there. So we begin to see David on the run again, but not in a fear necessarily way, just out of practicality, wisdom, following God's guidance. Um, I need to move on from here. Uh, he goes to Ziph, look in verse number 13 through verse 15. David and his men, which were about 600, which remember earlier, I think it was 400, uh, it's growing, uh, about 600, uh, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbore to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness of the strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. But God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. Um, so we see here that, that David is running. Um, he's hiding. And Saul can't catch him. Um, he's, he's trying. But it says that God did not deliver him into the hand of Saul. Which is, again, if you just take a moment to look at terminology in Scripture. Verse number 7, Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand. So what does God do? Um, and, and, and saying that God has a sense of humor sometimes sounds disrespectful to God. I don't mean it that way. But we see God's sense of humor here 
where he says, Saul said, I've delivered David into his hand. And so the terminology that God chooses to use is that God delivered him not into his hand. He's saying, Saul doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not at all what I've done. And so David was safe and he was being guided by God. Now here's where the, the Jonathan aspect comes in. Look at verse 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Okay, Saul can't find David. He knows the area where he's at, generally speaking. He can't find David. Jonathan goes to David. And he strengthens him. Verse 17, he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul, my father, knoweth. Okay. Well, let's look at verse 18, and I'll recap. Uh, and they made, the two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Jonathan, according to politics, was the next in line. After Saul. If Saul were to die, politically speaking, Jonathan would be king. Jonathan loves David. David loves Jonathan as brothers. I mean, they are as tight of friends as you can be. Jonathan had already helped him escape his father. Now Jonathan comes out and finds David. And he says, guess what? Dad ain't ever going to find you. Now Jonathan says, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to protect you. Dad's not going to find you. Which is interesting because you just think through this for a second. Saul's, Jonathan's going to go back home. He's going to be around Saul. And Saul's going to go, where's David? And Jonathan's going to say, I don't know. Or he's going to say, I ain't telling. And Saul's going to be mad about that. Jonathan doesn't care. He says, I'm going to protect you. Saul's not going to find you. Then he says... And I've got it highlighted in my Bible. It says, um, after Saul won't find you, it says, thou shalt be king. Jonathan understands that the throne is not for him. That David is going to be the king. When you take everything human into this, and you go, a guy who rightfully, in the world's eyes, belongs on the throne, is looking at someone else and he says, I know that you're going to be king. And I love you. And I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. Even though in the world's eyes, Jonathan would be the king. Uh, the next in line. He says, I support you, David. And I'm going to be next to you. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to fight with you. And I'm going to do all these things for you when you're king. And my dad knows that also. I'll make him happy. Jonathan would support David over his father. If, that, if it came to that, if Jonathan was still alive when David took the throne, if God would have given the throne to David while Saul was still alive. I believe wholeheartedly with this passage that, that Jonathan would have supported David over his father. And this part of you, I'm, I'm speaking for you, part of you says, Man, you got to be loyal to your father. You've got to be loyal to your family, loyal to your blood. But the Bible teaches us we've got to be loyal to God and what God desires. And you look at Jonathan as an example of someone who says, listen, if, 
my family's wrong. I still love them. But I'm going to do what's right. And if God wants David on the throne, well, I'm going to support that bit. You also look ahead, and Jonathan has seen his dad, seen his anger. He's seen this evil spirit that the Bible tells us about. He's, he knows that, that Saul wants to murder David, even though there's no reason for him to do so as far as there's nothing wrong that David has done. Um, and, and you see all of this, and you see Jonathan here, he's just saying, listen, I picked your side over Saul's side. I think sometimes as Christians, we choose loyalty, whether it's family, denomination, um, uh, mentors, whatever it may be, we pick loyalty over right. I mean, if God wants it, then, then I stand with it. And I think we have to look at the examples that God gives us in Scripture, and Jonathan is such a great example of this, because Jonathan had a lot to lose in, in the world's eyes by not being king. Now, being prince isn't too bad, and being the best friend of the king isn't so bad, but it's not the same thing as being king. And Jonathan's heart was always behind David. And I believe, and, and again, please understand this is, I'm not reading this in scripture, but I believe the reason why was less about David being kind and Saul being mean and more about Jonathan's eyes being open to the fact that this is what God designed. This is what was going to be no matter what. You can't fight against God. You're not going to win that battle. And so he was following what he believed to be right. And we see Jonathan here just, he's picking the side now. He's officially, even though he was already kind of, uh, he's officially saying, I am with you. You're going to be king over Israel, and I'll be next unto thee. Uh, and that also saw my father so they made a covenant, David and Jonathan. Again, this is not the first time, but they made a covenant um, before the Lord. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail on this, but if you've been around long enough, you know people have tried to pervert uh, Jonathan and David's relationship. Listen, this covenant was made before God. It was not wrong in any way. It was not perverted in any way. It was not anti-God in any way. This is a friendship and a brotherhood that it shows you, I believe, as Christ loved the church, and I know that's used in marriage, and I'm not meaning it that way here, but as Christ loved the church, he was willing to give his life for it. I believe Jonathan was willing to give his life for David, and I believe David was willing to give his life for Jonathan, and I believe this is the kind of love that God says we should have for each other. Yes, there is a love in marriage, and again, I, I know I'm using terminology that's used in, in a marriage text. Uh, but the idea here is when God says, love your brother, this is what he's talking about. You are supposed to, to, to be willing to sacrifice for and, and, and love in that way. Jonathan and David show us a friendship, brotherly, church memory love that we're all supposed to have for each other. And when you look at it, man, Jonathan, he was the one that we look at and go, man, he's missing out. He's losing. No, he's not. Because, listen, if Jonathan lived for the, the throne to go to David, I believe, I believe that Jonathan would have been just as happy for David. 
And I think that Jonathan still would have loved David. And I think that Jonathan would have helped David. And I think that Jonathan would have counseled David. And I think that Jonathan would have been exactly what David needed in his throne. And God didn't see fit for it to go that way. Uh, but I think some of the mistakes that David made, I think Jonathan would have helped him. And again, it's my opinion. That's uh, just guessing what if. But that's the kind of friend Jonathan was. It's the kind of friend that we're supposed to be. Um, but look, not only did Jonathan pick a side, so did the Ziphites. Uh, look in verse number 19. Then came up the Ziphites uh, to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth, uh, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood and the hill of Hekilah, uh, 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 which is on the south of Jeshimon? Um, I always ask God when I'm reading this on my own, why do we need to know these names? Uh, can we not just use east, west, north, south? I mean, that would have been easier. But anyways, um, uh, going on. Uh, he says in verse number 20, Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hands. And Saul said, Blessed be ye the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. You remember last week we looked and Saul said, No one feel sorry for me. The Ziphites did. And so Saul gets excited. Look in verse number uh, 22. Go, I pray you, prepare ye, uh, prepare yet, and know and see his place where his haunt is, and uh, who has seen him there, for it has told me that he uh, dealeth very subtly. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself, and come ye again to me with certainty, and I will go with you, and it shall come to pass, if you be in the land, that I will search him um, out throughout all the thousands of Judah. Um, if he be in the land, I apologize. Uh, I'll search him out through all the thousands of Judah. Pardon me, but reading these chapters makes me think of Robin Hood. And I imagine uh, David hiding in really cool places um, and doing some really fun things, uh, climbing and jumping and shooting bows and arrows. Um, but uh, it doesn't say that. That's just that's what comes to my mind. I thought it was a very imagine, imaginative mind. Um, but the Ziphites say, Saul, uh, we hear David's here, and he's hiding, and uh, we make it our goal to find him for you and deliver him to you. And Saul says, great, go, go get him. Uh, go find out where he is. He's being very subtle. He's hiding. Uh, he's smart. Go find him. Find out where he is, um, and we'll go from there. So they did. Verse 24, they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan, or Maon, I'm not sure how you say that one, uh, in, the, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. Um, so, so we read earlier in the passage, he's hiding in Ziph. The Ziphites say, we're going to go deliver him up, and they go out to find him. But guess what? He's not there anymore. He's now in the wilderness of Maon, uh, and, and he's there now. So Saul and his men went to seek him. Verse 25, and they told David, Wherefore he came down into a rock and abode in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. But look at this. This is great. Verse 26 is phenomenal. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men went on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take him. Okay, this is great. So when I look in Ziph, he's not there anymore. He's gone. They go there to Maon or whatever it's called, and, and they're there. And when Saul was on this side of the mountain, David was on this side. The way that I, in my mind, am reading this is then Saul came on that side of the mountain, and David went on this side of the mountain, and so on and so forth. But that got him now surrounded, it says. 
Saul and his men had compassed around uh, about David. They got him uh, really where he can't. He's hiding in these rocks and caves, and 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 there's really no escape ultimately for him. They just got to center in on exactly where he's at and then close and close in on him. David is doomed. Wait a second. Verse 27. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee, and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David, and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called that place Silaham Malekoth. And David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds in Gidi, and he died. Um, okay, so they got him surrounded. He's stuck. He's not going to be able to escape. And Saul's closing in, and a messenger comes and says, Saul, you need to hurry up. The Philistines have invaded the land. And Saul had to leave. I imagine David standing outside of the doorway of a cave, watching the armies of Saul marching away, and thinking to himself, well, that was close. When the children of Israel sinned against God, God drove them into Egypt. <laughs> and ultimately they stayed captured in Egypt for a while. When the children of Israel sinned against God, God sent Babylon to come and take the people. Eventually they repented and God delivered. God doesn't only send the enemies of God uh, to discipline. There are times where God uses them to assist. David's in trouble. I mean, can God, God could send down lightning, zap all the armies of Saul, drop them dead. It wasn't God's plan. God sent the Philistines in. They were really a pain in the neck. God continue to mold David 
into what he wanted him to be. We're watching God show David, when I'm with you, Watching God show David who God is, so that God, so that David can understand. Listen, David had his lapses, but it wasn't because God hadn't showed him what he can do. And that's where it comes back to us. When we fail, it's not because God hasn't proven Himself. God has done enough, given us enough to know who He is. That it's on us when we fail. When we feel encompassed and surrounded and, and, and at death's door, whether it's a spiritual, uh, physical, whatever it may be, we need to go to God and seek his deliverance and guidance. Because when he was there uh, in, uh, what's the name of that place, Keilah, he said, Lord, is it safe here? And God said, no. That's not what the Lord said. Uh, he left. And then as he's in Ziph, he ends up being in uh, Maon or whatever it's called. And then and then from there he's in the mountain of, of Maon and he's hiding and he's going and he's on this side, they're on that side and all these other things. God delivered David. And God will deliver us. My God is able to deliver David. He's able and he's willing and he's happy to do so. But it comes when we're following him. We're seeking him and we have a relationship with him is that's when we find the victories that only God can give um, so mixed into that is Jonathan as well and his love for David and his true friendship um, to David as well and the example that he is to us um, at the same time so God protects and God guides may God protect and guide us uh, this week Lord thank you for your word thank you for the story of David we see so much of David and we uh we, we know him to be a man after your own heart and, and one of the heroes of the Bible. Uh, but Lord, what I, again, what I love that you've done to give us the stories of David is to show us that an imperfect person, uh, Lord, can find solace in you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to seek you for guidance and to seek you for deliverance. Lord, help us to quit working on our own to try to deliver ourselves. But, Lord, that we truly just seek you and follow you. Lord, we know that you'll answer. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that we call on you this week. Help us to be faithful in our prayer life. Help us to be faithful in our Bible reading and study. Um, Lord, help us to love each other. Uh, Lord, help us to love our community. Uh, help us to be faithful with your word. And, uh, Lord, if, if your word is good enough for us, um, then why is it not good enough for the, the person next to us? So, Lord, help us to share it and present it and be bold with it um, this week. Take care of those that are in need this week, uh, many physical needs uh, in our church this week. Uh, Lord, uh, I'm sure there are other burdens and cares. Uh, so, Lord, we pray for your help in each of those situations. Also, we seek your wisdom um, and, Lord, your plan forward. So, Lord, we, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise and the glory for all that you have done and all that you're about to do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.